last time on Dice Funk. So they, they've sort of made a, a ethereal metal ladle. You all are treating this like it's just a toy. This is an extremely solemn moment, or it's going to be in the saga. Vine starts spreading up his uh, spear arm, and he thrusts forth into into her chest uh, as they entangle her again. Uh, and uh, fire rises in the out of his uh, mouth as he goes to just <laughs> effectively incinerate her, uh, when she then yields, and then he immediately uh, pulls his spear free, and uh, the, the 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 flames recede back into his throat. He goes, "Oh, okay." Tran does like walk up to the sarcophagus and just rests his hand on it. Well, I know you can't hear me, but you know, thank you for making all this land for us, I guess. Trey, and I think you, uh, with the sports medicine background, I, you maybe have identified one of the blobs of flesh as it flung out at you uh, as a adrenal gland and putting two and two together from the, the dwarves hologram video that he sent to you about the, his remains being in the next room. You think you now have uh, the body part of a god uh, inside of you. Which is empowering you. In fact, you gain a level. Like, I, I'm going to take a closer look at this pickaxe. Maybe we could learn how to like, mimic it, even like a small fraction of godly power, to, to, to like spread that to like other people. That's really idealistic, and I think it'd be great if we could all, you know, join hands and share. Um, but I don't know if you remember. Rex from like a week ago and the trying to kill us thing I think you're going to have a hard time convincing everyone especially because everyone has enmity that goes back generations and you know we've all done things we're not proud of which I guess if you're leaving would beg the question if you need this helmet back Aww. Uh, Bronco shakes his head and says no, it's my gift to you. I have other uh, accoutrements from home. Maybe in the next uh, one of these tombs, there's a, a cool god helmet. Uh, and maybe also a, a, me a message that isn't completely mangled and garbled so that we can actually understand what they were trying to say to us. I think Throg says, well, if you're providing the materials, maybe we can arrange some sort of equitable a deal that benefits everyone. It's not a matter of commerce, it's a matter of help for help. There's some mysterious creature that preys on the livestock of our farm. I've seen it towering over the horizon, but none who have gone to slay it have returned, including several angels, so I am not hopeful for adventurers of your statue. The 
This one time in high school, I opened up a case of one of our computer lab's computers and found a can of soup inside of it. <laughs> Is that? Oh, that must have been that must that must have been the soup that also was eating before the recording, wasn't it? I think that's just how computers. People who use like computers for a full time are they just leave their soup there? That's yeah, fine. they put cans of soup inside of them. The, exactly. Us. It'll heat it up for you. Yeah, that, that's how. You, mm, oh, that's that's what they mean by people. So that's what people mean when they say they have a souped-up rig. Wow, <laughs> that's what that's what big CPU cooling doesn't want you to know about. You can use your your CPU to heat up nice cans of chicken noodle for yourself. Poor IT person who later that day was like, "Can't wait to have a little snack," <laughs> and they <laughs> went to the computer lab and found they had been burgled. They, they, people now know where all the soup is hidden. It's right on the CPU heat sinks. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, speaking about food, I think we were going to engage in some big game hunting right now. Isn't that right? I suppose. I wasn't entirely sure how this would all go. I did not foresee you all accepting this mission because we know from Pants for Pets LLC that the monster still exists when they go there, which doesn't bode well for you. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how that works out. This is. This is. As literal as you can get to accidentally recreating that post about a guy who accidentally put a mountain in a prequel for his D&D campaign. Everyone's just like, where does the mountain go? <laughs> I'm also thinking that, well, you we also didn't expect us to try to actually, like, do a positive thing and try to solve the economy problem of the new world. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> Look, we'll... the, the nature of the job is, is this world safe for dragons? And if there is a 600 foot tall giant roaming around, that's kind of important to know. <laughs> Thro Throg is putting Throg's putting his body on the line to test the theory. If the thing kills Throg, it might not be safe for other dragons. You know, that's that's a that's a good scientific test as a man of science would do like Throg. Yeah, that's why I eat every single thing I'm not familiar with. Right, right. That's how you determine whether it's delicious and poisonous. So we rejoin the party as you go north uh, from the mine through the central settlement uh, into Duma Farm. Uh, as you walk across the, this uh, land, you see a number of people dressed in simple robes. They wave and smile, but they don't say anything. Uh, they have taken a vow of silence. Uh, and laser, the U on T, leads you to the beginnings of a building that is being constructed here. Uh, do you want to say or do anything before you are taken to where you're being taken to? Uh, so if I remember correctly, laser demanded we go with him immediately after seeing the door we busted up. Demanded is a strong word, but it was definitely seeing the shattered door that uh, made laser react so strongly. I I just hope that I'm not in trouble or did anything wrong, you know. You wanted us to come with you before you saw the door. After you saw the door, you demanded it. Why? So as you're having this conversation, you're walking across the farm, or what will be a farm very soon. Uh, the halflings are getting, uh, you know, the beginnings of agriculture ready here. Uh, but you're also seeing the animals that they've corralled from this ecosystem. 
Uh, notably, there are the Rons, which are oxen-like, you know, beast of burden creatures, uh, but they have kind of uh, sad human faces, uh, like Mr. Saturn from Earthbound, uh, and they're also the Pengmen, kind of human-penguin hybrids, also kind of upsetting to look at. Uh, notably, there aren't any seagulls, which is something that Panzer Pets will see when they come here, uh, but that that is not uh, developed yet. Uh, and so you're walking across the farm, we're seeing these new animals, uh, and Laser says, We have a door of our own, but our analysis of the writing on it has dire implications. We don't want to make an oopsie and do something we can't take back. Okay, that doesn't really tell me much, but all right. Um, what's with all the human faces? <laughs> uh, it is like someone's just working with spare parts here. I mean, come on. <laughs> Get the breathing program, you could probably make an actual human after a couple generations. I'm pretty sure that uh, Laser here didn't make the creatures here, so you know they, they, they just exist. That's just how they are, Throg. Deeply troubling. Yes, this biome was created, I believe, by the god of death. It's a little scary. Well, death is a cycle. We grow the plants, we harvest the plants, they return to the earth. The cycle of death is important. But scary! Uh, you said... Everyone else here so far seems to have taken a vow of silence. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, Laser, are you sort of the speaker for these these people here? Are you the only one that talks? Yes, I am the leader here, spiritually and politically, I suppose. I speak for the group. I think um, Gladys is going to... Uh speak up and ask, like, why is everyone else taking a vow of silence? It seems, is there a reason for it? Like, religious, uh, for, like, for safety reasons, for something else? Well, we are a sect of neonificism. Uh, we believe that there is one person who broadcasts and everyone else listens. Do you get to hear the broadcast at all? It is no longer broadcasting now that responsibility has fallen to me. So you would say you're the broadcaster. It's me! <laughs> Interesting. I've never heard of this before. I'm sure the dragons have their own version of why the old world was destroyed and we have ours do any i wonder if anyone's actually even know what the reasons the dragons believe the old world was destroyed horde got too big cracked under its weight <laughs> too much gold in one spot <laughs> too much gold broke it uh, there, there's always the good, I think in old D&D lore, Bahamut and Tiamat were like the same god at one point, and then they got split in half, something like that. Could, could always be the classic, as, as the dragon split, so did the fucking planet. So it, they think it has to do with them, it's all about them, that's very narcissistic. 
Oh, oh, of course. That's a, that's every racial group on the planet. We're the important ones, the main characters. Oh man, that is a lot of resonances uh, throughout everyone in this series. I think it's probably especially Zana, but <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad uh, idea as well. But um, <clears throat> uh, I think like any of those sort of. I mean, I guess the point is that there's many. Uh, uh, fables and myths about what the source of the split was which would lead to different people having different answers for how to go about in the aftermath so uh so you're having this discussion about what the dragons think happened to the old world as laser shows you uh the foundation of what will be the main building here in duma farm uh and under the foundation there is a chamber uh, this will be the basement of the building Pets for P- Pets for Pants LLC gets locked in. Uh, but currently, uh, it is a chamber with a big door in it. Uh, this door looks very much like the one uh, Throg melted, uh, but instead of having Dwarvish and uh, a symbol of a pickaxe, uh, it has Celestial and a symbol of a, a, a flaming iron rod. Ah, I can read this one. So can so can Trayan. <laughs> Everyone except Gladys can read it. Uh, so, Throg, you have no problem reading it. It just says that uh, death opens the way. Uh, and there's a bunch of uh, symbology of various death gods throughout history, like Hell uh, and Thanatos. Uh, probably some of those names and uh, the sigils are inscribed on the door. Uh, and Laser already said that this this biome was created by the god of death, the way the mines are created by the god of mining. So all that checks out. Uh, yeah, so I take it this is why you have brought us here? Yes, it is my assumption this door could be opened with a sacrifice, but I would never endanger my family, nor would they want me to hurt a stranger. Yet we may need... The power that lies beyond this door. Because of the big monster, remember? The, the very big one. The, 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 the mountain one, right? Yes. As I said, we've sent adventurers to slay it, but none have returned. But if behind your door was this legendary magical tool, then perhaps the same is true here. Hmm. Well... <clears throat> I have to say that when we opened that other door, we did it in a kind of, uh, we probably didn't do it the way that we were supposed to open it, and none of us could have read what was on the door, so I don't know if we can apply what we learned from there to here, and like, Train like walks up to the door and like, peers at it and just kind of like, knocks on it with a knuckle, just kind of like, (laughs) a few times. The consequences for treating this door inappropriately will probably be far more lethal than the mining door. I don't have another snail with me anyway. <laughs> oh, you weren't uh, you like like you didn't carry a Glock. You, you did you were, you were packing a Glock Glockstrapod with you over here. So, I, yeah. <laughs> if I this was a regular D&D campaign, I probably would have milked that snail for a lot of acid. <laughs> 
I like that this isn't regular. It's just the it's the one where you don't milk things. What does that mean? What are you saying? <laughs> Look, if, the, if if this was a, a campaign I was playing that wasn't a podcast, I'd be doing a lot of stuff to like maximize my character survival potential, and a lot of it's gonna sound pretty psychotic. Okay, so yeah, you'd be a little a little munchkin. Look, you give me you give me a magical snail that can melt iron. I'm gonna be milking the snail. But where will you put the snail milk? <laughs> I don't think you'd have anything to carry it with. You might be able to put it in like a glass vial. I don't I don't know much about chemistry, but I know certain acids can only dissolve certain things. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I have nipples, Throg. Can you milk me? Probably yes, if I try hard enough. <laughs> Uh, Drain also posits a question and says, I guess that you've all tried, I don't know, sacrificing crops for this thing, and that didn't work, right? Yes, it appears that a great sacrifice must be made beyond the externalities of our trade. So no crops, and none of those weird little animals with the faces on them. I don't think any of us are planning on dying in this room just yet, but if there's that mountain or whatever it is you want us to take a look at, might as well do what we can to help get things running more stable around here. So, Yeah, Throggle stroke his chin tentacles and say, I will not lie, I do not know how to open this door. But I wonder if it is so literal as in killing another sentient being. Behind the first door we encountered, it had a recording of a dwarven man speaking that we were being entrusted with a legacy to improve the world, yada, 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 etc., etc. Go watch the previous episode. Um, (laughs) If these different uh, biomes are, are made by different gods... There might be a chance that they actually have different viewpoints about how things are meant to be run up here. Possibly. I mean, they made a lot of real fucked up animals. Very poor, shoddy craftsmanship. It kind of freaked me out, but but only a little bit now. I like the idea that during this conversation, a uh, a Ron has been like, uh, you know, giving you a cowlick. <laughs> Uh, Gladys in the background, just like this weird, sad-faced man, just uh, like n- <laughs> nibbling on your your head. D- d- just s- gently pushes it away. I think, I like. Would that thing be like as big as Gladys? It's like, I re- like how big is that thing? <laughs> the law of comedy says it looks exactly like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Oh no, it doesn't. No, it looks like a that picture of the blobfish that has been brought up to the surface, but mm. the size of like an ox. Yeah, it said Ben Shapiro. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the opposite. It's ti- diminutive, a tiny. Oh, it's too big. <laughs> it's yeah. P- pushes it even more away. <laughs> oh, you have made a friend. I don't think it's a friend. I think it just wants. <laughs> For its suffering to end? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like how Throg just wants to like make all the all the fauna up here just extinct. It's amazing. I think it just wants to nibble. 
Look, Throg thinks he would have done a way better job. <laughs> Throg going onto the Yelp page for Pants for Pets LLC. One star. <laughs> one star, too much human skin. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a criticism they've been hearing a lot. Uh, so, uh, lasers, you, uh, do you think we should just be out headed on north to try to take on that that thing to get rid of it as a threat? Unless there's anything else we're supposed to be doing around here. I'm not sure how much more of help we can be in the immediate area. Yes, I think that would be best. I will take you as far as I can. It's not a matter of cowardice, you understand. We just have to be here for the other the other people in, in on the farm. We're not scared. You said it was coming down to raid your livestock, correct? Yes, it picks up our pangmen in the night and devours them. They love it. They're sick. <laughs> the pangmen love it. Yes, this unfortunate animal was apparently created with a love of its own destruction. They make an excellent food source, although it can take some adjustment. You're telling me they made BDSM penguins? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, this would be more like vor penguins. I did. Yeah, these are vor penguins. I didn't do this. <laughs> There's audio evidence that this is not me. <laughs> this god of death seems to have a weird sense of humor. You allowed it. The, the vor season was season six. I'm sorry. So, uh, oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> back to my original question. A creature that big would have left footprints, yes, and I imagine that those wouldn't be going away that quickly. Uh, could you take us to them? Uh, laser leads you up out of the chamber with the door uh, and to the north of the farm. Uh, why don't you roll survival? 23. Wow. Or 22. No, no, you rolled 22. I rolled 23 somehow. <laughs> All right, 23 and 22, the party succeeds, uh, which uh, leads me to tell you this thing with no ambiguity, which is that there are no footprints to the north of the farm, which is extremely strange. As you point out, Throg, something of that size should definitely leave uh, some kind of footprint. Uh, so that's, that's a thing. I will tell you as you, as you head north, uh, you can see, uh, the horizon and it, it has a number of shapes on it. Uh, it could be a mountain range of some sort, uh, but you're going in the right direction. Uh, and there is, you know, there's something out there that is different than the, the flat mm -hmm. land around you. This creature, is it physically stepping on these lands, or is it so large it is able to reach down from miles away and grab your penguins? How, how many is it taking a night? A creature that large would be wiping you out. Uh, Train is thinking on this and posits a dumb answer in the form of, maybe it has, like, clouds for feet or something and it doesn't actually touch the ground fully and doesn't leave any marks that way laser says the beast mostly comes in the dead of night it's hard to see this large shape that looms over and it reaches down and picks up a penguin and disappears back into the north 
into the darkness. It is a shape more than an animal. And are, are you seeing it kill the creature, or does it just abscond with it and leave? So many questions. Are we on trial here? Are you the little question dragon? Do you shoot a little question breath weapon? Oh no, here comes my question marks. Just making sure we know everything we possibly can before we go there. If we know too much about it, maybe it'll know too much about us, and that might make it harder to kill it. So, What? <laughs> I don't think it's spying on us. That's a great idea for a D&D creature. <laughs> you... <laughs> Isn't it? Just like, you, if the more you research it, the more powerful it gets, so it, it just wants you to be dumb on the way in. If you roll nature on it, it rolls nature on you. Um... <laughs> I think that should be allowed for like um, like Call of Cthulhu type games where if your character is too stupid to understand the non-Euclidean creatures it's looking at, you don't lose sanity. So you're just like, ah, we're fucking squid. Is this creature so large that it's in a different biome from the one it's stealing these pangmen from? Um, actually, with the 22 and 23 on the survival, I can tell you that that appears to be the case. This is the farm ecosystem, and you are leaving to the north to the next ecosystem. So that that is 100% true. In fact, um, a thing about the ones you've seen so far, about the ecosystems you've seen so far, is that they are relatively normal. There's been a prairie, a farm, a mine. These are things you can find in the old world. Uh, the main strange thing is that they just have hard dividing lines instead of like a gradual uh you know change in the topography mm. as one fades into the other there's just like a hard stop uh this is the first time you've seen something pretty strange as you approach the next uh dividing line uh the ground has a strange craggy quality to it uh it's hard to uh without rolling uh know exactly what's going on with it but it doesn't look like dirt that's the thing i'll tell you uh it looks like a strangely colored uh maybe some kind of sponge or something uh instead of trees there are large uh like projections they look like almost uh, uh wiry things like tree height or higher uh they're kind of sparsely uh shooting out of the ground here and there uh and then instead of plants with like stem and leaf formation uh they're just kind of uh maybe like clusters of uh some kind of plant material uh almost like uh you know big patches of algae or something but on the land, uh, and that's what you're seeing as you approach the next ecosystem. It's very strange. Uh, you can roll to know more. Uh, the thing I will say before we do that, though, is there also appears to be creatures in this biome. You see a number of insects. Uh, they appear to range from about your size to, like, elephant size, and you see them, like, smatterings of them here and there. They are, like, hard, chitinous insects a lot of them have like you know pinching mandibles and so forth uh and they don't scatter when they see you like every insect you've probably encountered in your life they uh either see you and go about their business or some of them uh you know appear to be taking a more active interest so yeah i'll investigate that weird ground uh what would i have to rule for that nature all right 11 um 17? What the hell? 
20. <laughs> That's with minus two. That was a natural 19. That's so unfair. Gladys has the highest modifier and the lowest roll. <laughs> I, I think Gladys is the type of person who's watched a lot of nature documentaries, but this is her first time out in the world. She used to just stay inside and watch them and, and always get a little upset when they were like, oh, the beautiful endangered like species of bird. It has been killed. <laughs> uh, so 20 and 17, the group passes. Uh, the thing I will give you, uh, the 20 throg especially, is the smell of blood in the air. You've smelled a lot of blood in your day, mm-hmm. and the coppery scent is unmistakable. So uh, that, is, that is like the leading detail. Uh, I will say you also see uh, insects kind of pulling up uh, the this... Uh, you know, ground, whatever it is, it's kind of spongy ground mm-hmm. in like flakes. And uh, it, it comes apart, not like dirt with like tiny little particles, but as it tears away, like uh, you see fluids leaking out of it. Yeah. Um, I, if we are in, if the previous area was held by a god of death, I think this is a living biome. I think this entire biome is one living being. And these are, parasites or even like symbiotics or communal skin mites i was just thinking the same thing <laughs> dan from downtown he's on fire uh the, the <laughs> basketball bursts into flames as you hit a three-pointer from the other side of the court uh i will start referring to these things more specifically you see the giant uh dust mite rip out a flake of skin out of the living biome uh, and eat it. Uh, and this this thing, which is normally so small that it can't be seen with the naked eye, turns to you as it eats some like pus-covered skin and starts looking at your skin and wondering how you taste. Mm-hmm. Um, are we actually entering combat now or do I have to, or, or is it just looking at us? Uh, you, 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 laser leads you up to like the edge of the biome of death, mm-hmm. Duma Farm, uh, and stops, uh, and you know looks over the dividing line to the next one and says, "I cannot go much further without risking the leadership of my people." I understand. We can proceed from here. Uh, to your question about if we're entering combat, it appears that if you just start walking forward, you are going to draw some aggression and, yes, enter combat. Okay. Uh, it is not necessarily an inevitability, and it doesn't seem like the the mites are interested in crossing over. They like the skin ground. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But also, laser does have a big fucking scythe, so. Right. Okay. Um, Throg's going to cross his arms and start thinking about this if this is an entire living biome and something is ranging out from it and this is like a massive scaled up version of it it has to be something that would be normally small i think we're dealing with like a big amoeba if it's a weird formless thing not leaving footprints you know i i I, i'm thinking something along the lines of like a giant uh like there's a relation between it and the biome, like a clownfish kind of energy where like, but in this case here, it is out getting food for the biome itself as opposed to getting food for itself. 
I do, I do think you may be right, Trayan. If this is a, if this area is a living creature that must grow and sustain itself, it will have to be getting energy from somewhere. And the only, if it is not photosynthesizing it from the air, from the sun, it will be needing an outside source of energy to feed it. Besides, looking at how those uh, insect things are eating the land directly, it uh, it's gonna need something to you know rebuild that muscle tissue. You know, you gotta you gotta get your protein after you work out to rebuild the muscle tissue. I don't see any form of like, is there any sort of like biome steroids up here or something that they could take? I don't know, man. Uh, I think Throg before we is going to suggest before we go into this next biome that we make ourselves look as little meaty as possible, if that makes sense, because I think it sees us as a food source. But if it just thinks we're a roving clump of mud and dirt, essentially predator, like predator Arnold Schwarzenegger mud covering ourselves, we might seem less appetizing and thus, thus less interesting to them. I will say that Tran will refuse to do this approach. Uh, well, I think if Tran's re- flatly refusing to do it, there's no way we can really do it. So I think that one's axed. If like if like one out of three doesn't want to do it, and the other and like someone fails, then like that'll be trouble quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, only other thing I can think of, I don't know if really hiding from them is gonna potentially do anything here since it seems like they're aware of us these are like parasitic creatures they probably don't know what we are and they're probably not used to having to fight for food we might be able to just scare them off if they start to approach us uh so we're talking about intimidation now yeah uh there are many different approaches so uh i yeah i i what i would probably propose is also um I actually have, we have the metallic breath weapons as well that kind of plays into this as well um, that we could use to aid in that. So uh, I think Trayan would engage in employing some breath weapon uh, displays to uh, draw, to uh, discourage engagement. Uh, so if you expend a resource like a breath weapon, you can roll intimidation with advantage. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone can roll advantage. You can paint a picture depending on how those dice go. See, I, I could probably, um, I don't, I obviously, uh, Gladys doesn't have a breath weapon, but uh, she does have like, like she, maybe she could like use a firebolt cantrip to kind of mimic like a breath weapon if the other two are like shooting fire and or, or whichever ones the golden bronze guys do. Yeah, I'll expend a breath weapon to uh, to try to scare these things off. So uh, Tran rolls a 13 on his intimidation. I got a 16. Uh, looks like a 22. Uh, all right, so 16 and 22, the group definitely passes. Uh, pay me the picture of you scaring off these dust mites. I do want to say that in the lead-up to it, someone said... Um, Oh, they don't have any predators. They're not used to fighting for food. Uh, I gotta say, silverfish and pseudoscorpions are their natural predators. Uh, I guess content warning for Googling those. They're pretty pretty uh, scary. Oh, silverfish are bad. I don't like those. If they're eating the ground, they're probably used to not having to fight something to eat. 
to just get food. But yeah, if there's things trying to kill them, that's different different scenario. Also, I guess, what is the uh, build-up to this? Because uh, first, Throg says that we can cover ourselves in mud to look non-appetizing. Treyan, do you elaborate on why you don't want to be covered in mud, or is just this just a flat no thank you? Um, Treyan will just, Treyan, when here's the proposal to go up mud, he's just like, man, I've spent way too much time making these clothes to deal with cleaning them off afterwards. Uh, I mean, a little bit of a dirt here and there is one thing, but caking mud, uh, that's not my look, man. Throg is already half covered in mud by the time he said this. I mean, I thought I assumed that you're covered in mud all the time, so. Yeah, but now it's worse. Okay, with a 22, she could probably, like, use her firebolt cantrip, like, in tandem with, like, her quarterstaff to, like, light the end on fire and, like, swipe at these things, like, little feet before they can get close enough to her to really do anything. All right, so you have a, a spinning, burning quarterstaff to repel uh, various mites and uh, little insects uh, as they approach. Eventually, they start giving you a, a wide berth as the team enters the ecosystem. Uh, Laser uh, stays behind and just, you know, says, Good luck! If you die, I'm sorry! All right. Well, I, I, you know, Tran will just like, you know, give a big old thumbs up at a wake, like gives like he gives like a, a a Terry Bogard esque sort of like victory pose in the middle of trying to intimidate these mites, and then continues to follow the others deeper into this biome. I think Gladys will like wave at Laser, like holding up the quarterstaff, so there's fire just like waving above her, and go like, hopefully we won't die. So hopefully we'll see you soon uh so as the dragonborn fire off their breath weapons uh from time to time to scare back uh the skittering creatures of the biome and the party continues north uh the ground squishes beneath your feet uh it is definitely skin uh the long projections which seem to have been a tree analog are definitely hair strands of hair that you know up to this size are surprisingly tough <laughs> you're probably aware that um rhino horns for example are literally hair uh and that is like this on a on a, a huge scale uh and so the the smell of blood and pus is very unpleasant um it's it's quite a, a psychologically trying thing here everyone in fact constitution saving throw sweet I got an eight. I got a five. Come on, Gladys. Let's see it. I got a seven. Yo. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, all of you uh, trekking through here are going to take the poisoned condition. Now, this isn't literal poison necessarily. It is just how you, you all are feeling ill from being exposed to uh, just like bodily fluids and this kind of, uh, you know, on this scale, it is it is sick making. I, I assume Gort does not need to roll and he's also just poisoned. <laughs> I think Gort's having a great time. Okay. Ah, Gort's fine. He has no, he doesn't have the intelligence to realize that this is horrifying and gross. Gort 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 has food all around him. He's just eating the ground. I'm assuming, you know. I, I'd like to, I guess, make a, a check here. Does this place seem like it's sick and dying? Medicine, yeah. 
I got a nine. I got a 16. I got a 12. Uh, 12 and 16 succeed. Um, I think if you bring this up, Throg, uh, Gladys can, like, you know, take a sample or something, swish it around in a flask with some other chemical. It comes back, uh, you know, all signs clear. Uh, with the, you know, two above average, I will say you do not think there is a general sickness. Uh, this seems like a vital uh, ecosystem. Uh, just some some pus is normal. Pus is a part of you know the the living process, just as blood is, just as the cycle of eating and being eaten is. Uh, so like it's not pretty, but actually this whole ecosystem is on a much smaller scale happening on and in you right now because you are also alive. Oh, you can't prove that. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're just a, as a normally uh, healthy body can get, you know, like scabs and mites and all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, there is that stuff happening here. But uh, on the whole, this seems to be a, a vital and healthy uh, body of body. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I have another question, and I don't know how to how we would even determine this, but if this is a living creature and we're walking over its skin, I I guess we don't even have an idea of what its body plan would be, but Throg wants to head towards like a more important body part, I guess. Like if we were say on the torso, he'd want to head towards where the head is, I guess, if that makes sense. But I don't know if we have any way to determine where we are relative to anything else body plane wise. Yeah, we're so small. It like 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 hair on skin, that could be like most skin. Yeah, you crushed the uh survival and nature checks. So I think using those combined, uh you can try to go towards what seems to be more uh, you know, sensitive areas. You're like, oh, this is just a big bare patch that you would think of as like a back or a thigh or something. Like this is all undifferentiated tissue. Uh and you know, making some choices about where you're going. I, I think uh, I know how Throg would try to do this. Um mm-hmm. I think he'd be ripping up the ground looking for nerves and then trying to figure out where they're pointing to. Ugh. Gladys is going to retch a little bit at that. <laughs> it's like she's not scared, but she's grossed out. Yeah. Uh, before I reveal where you get to with this strategy, does anyone want to have a discussion amongst yourselves? You know, as we're walking through here, Gladys says, I have to wonder, I thought maybe the God of Death was a little weird for having all of the little man-looking creatures, but the god who made this place, what? What What was their intention? I don't understand. Do, do they, like... I deeply I'm, fear this was a god of life. Just... In the most literal sense. I guess. It just... You make a new world, and then you make a part of it that, like, as we're stepping over it, it feels like it less of a biome and more like a living thing stuck in the rest of the place. I don't like it. The gods are the gods who made this land. Obviously, had different ideas of how things should look and smell and feel. So. I guess we're just kind of getting the smorgasbord really quickly, uh, the extremes of that 
those sort of ideas. I can't say to speak to whatever kind of mind makes a place like this, but right or wrong, they clearly either had their reasons or their fetish. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I can think of as we're talking about it is maybe they just wanted to really demonstrate their knowledge of how life works on like a biological scale, which I could not sure if respect is the right word, but I think I kind of maybe sort of get it. Or it is an attempt to live vicariously past their own death. They create a being so large, so massive, so enduring that a part of them in a way is still alive. Do you think maybe there's going to be things directly attacking us? I am almost certain of this. Mm. Well, with you ripping up the flesh and messing around there directly, you're probably drawing more attention to us there, Throg. An immune system is generally internal, but I do not know what this beast analog that they have been seeing could correspond to. I keep thinking head like the person's head, but I don't think that's right. Because it seems to be able to reach people uh, beyond, like to grab the little guys. Maybe, it, maybe it's like one of those lizard types that has like a really long tongue, and it's just grabbing it with its tongue and pulling it back into the biome. So, Throck, you've been following nerves by like tearing up the ground and trying to see where they go, and you're going to denser clusters, maybe looking for a head or something. Uh, but eventually, you uh, hit a, a big. A thick bundle of nerves, and the ground kind of convulses under your touch, mm-hmm. and uh, there is a deep rumbling. Uh, everyone, uh, perception checks. Mm-hmm. With disadvantage. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I still rolled a fifteen. Seventeen. Holy shit. 15 and 17, even with the disadvantage, the group succeeds. Uh, And that's good, because this this deep rumbling that could be mistaken for an earthquake uh, leads you to look around, uh, and you see, or rather you you perceive um, the subtle changes in the horizon. Uh, What could have been mountain ranges uh, in various directions kind of move with a very patient uh, stride and in several different directions uh, what appears to be uh, creatures or giants uh, begin moving uh, probably from three different directions north east and west uh, which uh, with this success leads you to the information that there's more than one of whatever is eating the pengmen of duma farm I mean that that that's kind of like what tra- that's kind of like what I was thinking earlier is the fact that these are basically like an organism that is an extension without being an appendage of the biome. So it's it's doing its own form of harvest. Because I still I still think it'd be interesting to confirm if there was a place they were taking. Just that. Uh, just God. Just, <laughs> I think Gladys is just like okay. So either. Lots of heads, or not a head. Either way, don't like how that looks. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I say we bug the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's hard to make out individual features, and this is part of the reason Laser is having a tough time describing what you know was seen. Is because like you think, oh, is that an arm? Is that a head? Is that a tentacle? Uh, it's hard to say. And all of the creatures have different contours or the different shapes. Uh, they're not like one uniform thing, uh, but and they're just they are so large that it is difficult to to take in the whole. Uh, Trayan thinks for a moment and it's like. We should probably still uh, do that thing that you like to do, Gladys, like document a little bit of what we're seeing here so that even if we leave before taking care of this problem here, we can come back with better information so that when an effort is made to stop this threat, it's uh, with better knowledge, you know? Oh, of course. That's a really good point. I am. I've been taking notes. As we go, it's a little hard because I feel a little queasy, but I, I, I'm writing this down right now. I'm getting, tr trying to draw these things. They're a little hard because they're, they're really just hard to just wrap, uh, hard to wrap my, my head around what I should even put on the paper. Yes, taking notes, very important. Also, they are much bigger than us, and it stands to reason as a result faster. We need to move. Oh, yes, of course, of course, of course. She, she's going to keep writing her little notes as we start moving. <laughs> All right, yeah, you can definitely take notes. If you're, Are you running? Is this a sprint now? That's athletics. Does Do, do you guys feel like running? Is this a running situation? I, I think with the size of these creatures and the fact that they're distributed pretty far away and they're still able to probably get here quickly as a result of it um we should be running the fuck away they're large enough that even with whatever distance we get we're probably still gonna see them uh Trayan wants to try to also put down a depiction of these things while on the move so he is not gonna move fast enough to run initially at least because he wants to at least try to come back with more information for laser about this um using his painter supplies do like a little sketch on the move um but um uh, i i we can move quickly but not until after we get the notes down is sort of the energy that i uh, that <laughs> train's kind of thinking here all right so if we're not doing athletics checks i will say you see that the shapes get larger and larger as they move towards you, uh, and it is nauseating to look at. Um, just that you've never seen a horizon uh, uh, chase you. It's just something that no mortal you're aware of has ever had to undergo, and it, it makes you uh, want to – like you tear up just because of the, the sheer uh, awe that you feel, awe in like the religious sense. Uh, and you also realize why there are no footprints – north of Duma Farm, which is that they are of such a scale that they can, from the edge of this ecosystem, simply reach over and pluck things from the pens of the farm without actually leaving. So Throg no longer cares about trying to... He, he considers this an extreme threat to the survival of the entire party at this point, um, because it reacted to probably a minor amount of pain in the grand scheme of things by sending three mountain-sized creatures after them. Um, 
in, in his book, this is an extreme threat that needs to be immediately told to any drag. They need to survive to tell dragons that this is a problem. And if they <laughs> die here, that is that is a big issue. Yeah, I literally didn't know you were going to go here. But now that you have, this is one of the things that I think is unambiguously a threat to dragons. <laughs> I think these things could snatch, a, you know, even an ancient red dragon out of the air and just smush it, just pop its head off. Yeah. Oh, no problem. He He does not believe that getting like a more accurate painting of one of them is going to give us any information that would help survive this any longer than five seconds if it just decided to try to crush you this is less about survival and more about Trayan doesn't trust his own memory to describe this accurately to other people the mountain-sized monster is all he cares is all throw cares about <laughs> all right S- strength saving throws if we're not doing athletics checks uh, okay all right we don't have disadvantage on this folks so strength strength uh, that'd be a 23 for Trayan. 21. Holy crap. That's incredible. Uh, so as these things move, uh, there's like, uh, convulsions and, you know, uh, uh, muscle contractions, uh, things in the environment that could have easily thrown you to the ground or impeded you. Uh, 21 and 23 is perfect. Uh, the group manages to continue moving. I think in the distance, you can see uh, the line back to the farm. It's still some ways off, and now there are all these mites uh, that are that are no longer afraid because you're not banding about fire. In fact, you seem to be uh, scared and vulnerable. I guess we either need to do another effort to kind of break through, or we're just going to have to fight through the mites to get into the other biome safely. I do. I do think at least at this point, Gladys has put the notebook away. I think. At a certain point, the awe gives away to a bit of frustration that she can't figure this the fuck out, and so she just puts it away for now. I don't... At, at this point, I think Throg would be willing to just attack and kill these mites if they're in his way, um, because if they're not... if You can't just scare them off. Uh, perma- threatening permanent bodily harm by physically attacking them is your best solution. <laughs> yeah. This is a swarm of insects, so you can make an attack against its AC if you would like. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll wheel around with this spear, or I guess pickaxe at this point. Uh, all right. I got a 14. All right, that hits. Uh, 13 damage. All right, sick. Uh, you using the pickaxe you got from the mines, uh, just swinging uh, through you know these things as they approach you, just uh, tearing through the chitin, uh, just caving in uh, you know their heads and limbs and so forth. Uh, Throg is getting through easily. Uh, Trayan and Gladys. Um, Trayan is going to attempt to use um, his repulsion breath on some of them to knock him away and knock him prone to make the pathway a little bit easier. All right, what's the save on that? It'll be a strength saving throw, DC 13, so it's not great, but... Uh, I rolled a 15. Ooh, so that did not work. Um, uh... All right. Uh, so, Trayan, you open your mouth and you try to blast them back with this uh, breath specifically made for repulsing. Uh, you probably get, like, one or two before... Uh, a flea uh, the size of a Volkswagen 
uh, lands on you. You take uh, four damage, a terrible roll, uh, just an awful dog shit roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't land fully on you, uh, but it springs through the air and kind of sideswipes you uh, th- like someone missing a check in a hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> Does Tram like make a divisive little joke and comment like <laughs> barely even felt it must have been a flea bite. <laughs> Gladys is going to uh, use she's going to use Tasha's caustic brew. Which is each creature in a 30 foot and 5 foot wide line must succeed a dexterity saving throw or be covered in acid. Oh my lord. Uh, 12. That's not going to do it, huh? Nope. All right. Paint me the picture of you melting fleas and mites and ticks and whatever else crawling around here. All right. So uh, with that, like air of like frustration like like mounting up a little bit like Gladys is going to pop out one of her little potions this one I think is going to take the form of like it kind of looks like a little spray bottle but like with a real like like a long enough range to reach like 30 feet it's just like acid splash over these insects everywhere all right uh, so yeah, these things just simply are reduced to slime and goo uh, under your uh, caustic brew, uh, and you continue running. And with all of these successes, uh, Gladys and uh, Throg, at least, can run to the edge and back onto the farm biome. Like, as soon as you cross the line, uh, the, the mites snipping at your heels stop and kind of scuttle back to what they know. Uh, Trayan, do you have a second idea? Uh, for how to get out of here, you've been body checked by a flea, uh, and you are trying to catch up. Um, I can imagine doing the wings unfurled and step of the wind, um, uh, as a method. So basically, he gets sideswiped, sees some mites coming after him, and expends uh, uh, wings unfurled and a key to activate step of the wind to uh turn on the disengage as a bonus action and then proceed to run slash jump um, past and over some of the mites as well as he can with the the iridescent like spectral wings kind of appearing on his back as he takes temporary flight over the foes around him. Um, if you wanted a check for that, I'm happy to provide a check of some form to see how successful he is in evading the enemies. As you take to the air, a flea uh, springs at you with its uh, uh, incredible jump. Mm -hmm. Uh, 21 on your AC, that's going to hit. That will hit, yes. Uh, You take 11 damage uh, as it slams into you in the air and starts scuffling with you, trying to bite you. Uh, Once again, this thing is actually physically larger than you, but uh, with your uh, expenditure of your wings, you are able to flap out of its grasp. Uh, It cannot fly, only jump. And so eventually gravity uh, finishes the chase for you (laughs) as the flea plummets back down uh, and you flap away. Yeah. Uh, Trayan does like land on the ground very ungracefully and rolls it off as he lands by uh, by Throg and Gladys. Woo, Trayan! We need to get back to the farm. Give him a little clap. Uh, 
we should probably keep, yeah we should probably keep moving knowing that those big knowing that those big things can still reach out and grab us on the move. All right, so now is the time for athletics. With disadvantage, let's go, baby. Ooh. Oh, come on. 22. Let's see. My first roll was a 25. I rolled a... Uh, I rolled an 8. I'm looking at it right. I rolled a 6. 6 and 8. The party fails. You've been rolling so well today. You crushed nature. You crushed uh, survival, medicine, uh, just just nonstop perfect rolls. Uh, until now, uh, you start running south, try to get back to the farm. Uh, probably in the distance, you can see it across the kind of scrub land. You're kicking up dirt as you run. Uh, Tran, you can fly if you if you want, but you're not getting uh, you know much faster than the others on their feet. When a shadow begins falling over you, uh, just it's you know you see it ahead of you, and then it just keeps growing and covering more and more and more ahead of you, and then the shadow falls over the farm, uh, and. I don't know if you stop, if you look back. Do you just keep going? Um, I mean, uh, uh, Treyan is probably going to be looking back while still trying to make forward progress, but it's probably not a it's probably not a wise thing to look back, is it? I, I think um, Gladys is going to keep just trying to uh, move forward as fast as she can, just because she can't think of a good logical reason to do otherwise. Yeah, Throg's running. Alright, so everyone just keeps running as the shadow falls over you. You fail your athletics, uh, so you are not able to get out of the shadow before something happens. Uh, which is, uh, first of all, uh, that the pure size of this thing uh, blots out the sun and the stars above you, which are unusually close. Uh, like, they are large the sky uh, and you feel a drop in temperature immediately <laughs> as this thing gets between you and, and, the, and the source of light above you uh, but then as it starts coming down there is a uh, change in pressure like a, a high pressure system in like meteorology but caused by a creature mm. um, and none of you see it behind you uh, but you are all like uh, pushed by this, by this change in pressure to the ground, uh, as whatever it is stretches out a limb. You don't know if it's a hand or a tentacle or a hoof or just a mouth on a neck. I think earlier someone said, like, what if it just had a really long neck? Uh, and it's, whatever it is is coming down around you, and it hits the ground on all sides of you, setting up a huge dust storm. And then you are all swallowed in darkness as it scoops you up. Sweet. This is a fun campaign, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hope you hope you like these nice dragons. They're all dead. So the party is scooped up by some giant creature and immediately is uh, just plunged into darkness. You obviously uh, get dirt in your your mouth and eyes and so forth, and you're tumbling. Uh, Everyone dexterity saving throw uh, as you take some damage just from being picked up and jostled around. Is this with disadvantage still? No. Okay. Uh, 22. 
Eight. Throg, you take four. Everyone else takes eight. As you are, you know, jostled and slammed and so forth. Notably, you are not grinded to dust, uh, which is totally a possibility in this situation. There's no uh, immediate reason why this thing couldn't just pulverize you. But it does seem to be picking you up and doing its best not to smash you into paste. Uh, and it's just it's just not possible to do it as delicately as it would be necessary to not take any damage. All right, so just being docile around, um, Trayan has blind sense now, so um, he can at least perceive his surroundings even in darkness. Um, but like it's hard because it's such a, a foreign environment that it's hard to kind of notice what's going on around him. I suppose. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, you took a level in fighter. When you got the endocrine system last episode, we haven't talked about that. You are one level above the party. Uh, but you can sense in the dark as, uh, as a thing you can do now. We can talk about that. And Gladys has dark vision. So it's only Throg who is completely uh, unable to uh, see what's going on as you kind of tumble into the dark. Uh, eventually, you come to a rest on something squishy and wet. Uh, Gladys, you can see in the dark vision, it, there's just some kind of, uh, flesh patch here, some kind of organ meat. Uh, you stand up, look around, you see the walls are made of flesh, the ceiling is flesh. You are in maybe not a stomach, but something stomach adjacent. I know someone earlier said, Vor episode, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You could have, <laughs> we could have avoided this fate maybe if we had outrun the monster. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if one of those other like sarcophagi things are in this biome. It'd be kind of weird with all the fleshy stuff around it. I'm not sure what I would dislike more a regular door in the flesh or a door made of flesh. And I feel like. I'm not ready to think about that right now until we figure out what is going to happen to us. Yeah, since Throg is a little bit hesitant to start a fire at this point, uh, Gort does have dark vision. Um, I think Throg has essentially called Gort over to him and kind of had, like, have you ever seen those videos of um, uh, like special forces operators that have their like trained German shepherds? that walk between their legs and move with them. I think Gort's, or Gort and Throg are kind of doing that, and he's using him essentially as a seeing eye dog. Oh. I love that you bring that up, because I think about that all the time, because my cat is always trying that shit, and she is going <laughs> to become fucking pulverized one of these days. Mm -hmm. It is her, her dream to have her skull crushed when she throws herself <laughs> under my feet. Ah, a BDSM cat. Uh, see, unfortunately, it's unfortunate that the names are not reversed because then you would have a seeing eye throg going on there. That would have been pretty great. <laughs> All right. Well, it was either the Vor episode or seeing eye throg, and I'm glad we got there. Um, also, for anyone who's going to put a correction in the comments, we know special forces use Belgian Malinois and not whatever dog you said. Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all I have to say about that is, you know what kind of dog it is? Fucking nerd. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, what were you talking about? You were just eaten by a giant monster, and I'm just thinking about dogs. We're, 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 we're trying to figure out what the what where where are we where are we um 
what's on the menu other than us? Uh, is there a way out of here? Or are we just have you just been taken to the leader of a different cult that's going to tell us that we need to go kill Laser or something like that? I don't know. There's a lot of options here. If we've been eaten, I have a climb speed. Could I maybe climb up, get into its lungs, and just start giving it asthma? Um, what happens if you if you uh, start cutting at the brainstem of a creature this big? Probably not a great result for anyone involved to have a con- uh, like a country sized creature fucking uh, decaying and dying next nearby. Look, it's not a great situation. It's pretty bad. All of these are terrifying and interesting possibilities. Where does it go to the bathroom? Another horrible concern. So the, the first thing that um, Gladys is thinking of is, is this actually a stomach? Like, is there stomach acid or something that would dissolve, like, consumed materials? Or is this like a different flesh pocket? Terrible sentence. <laughs> uh, letting the medicine check from earlier ride i will say it is not a stomach it is a, a, a stomach like organ and that's like a big bag of some kind uh but you are not being digested currently um as you move and i to reiterate uh throg is being led by gort in a seeing eye gort situation uh gladys has dark vision and Trayan has blind sight can you explain your uh fighter level up what else did you get and what is the kind of flavor of you being able to uh, uh daredevil now uh yes so when Trayan got the uh, endocrine system inside of him uh he gained a level in fighter and the first level of fighter is a pretty substantial one in terms of what you kind of get out of it um on one hand it gives him proficiency with all weapons and up to medium armor though he would never wear <laughs> any armor for both aesthetics and also mechanics um he also gains Second Wind, which is just a once-per-short-rest bonus action to regain some health. And he also was able to pick a Fighting Style. And there's a whole lot of Fighting Styles, and a lot of them actually don't synergize well with Monk. Like, you'd be like, oh, two-weapon fighting. Uh, no, that doesn't work well with what Monk has. Or uh, Dueling, where you can get bonus damage when you hold a weapon in one hand and you don't have a shield. Like, nope, Monk's Unarmed Strike does not count for that. So... I chose one of the newer options for that, which is blind fighting, which means that he has blind sight with a range of 10 feet. Within that range, he can effectively see anything that isn't behind total cover, even in darkness or if Tran is blinded. And moreover, Tran can see an invisible creature within that range unless the creature successfully hides from him. So if anything's within 10 feet of Tran, he is able to be aware of their location. Uh, and the flavor on that is that, like, the the various uh, chemicals that you now have access to in your blood from the god organs mm -hmm. are just giving you, like I said, daredevil-like reflexes right. and perception. Exactly. I also felt like it was a pretty good matchup to go with the fact that the god was a dwarf and mining-related things. So being able to see in the darkness, um, to, see, to sense danger, and yeah, like you said, uh, almost like uh, a heightened um reflexive fight or flight response it's more it's not that he's visually mapping everything it's just that he gets like uh a spidey sense type response when something gets near and he's just ready to respond immediately to that yeah it's a little known fact that all dwarves are capable of echolocation <laughs> i mean they they hit something yeah they hit something with a pick and then they can hear where the pick is making noise from 
That's not entirely lore inaccurate. There's a thing in Tolkien where the dwarves can like sing to the stones and know where the the ores are. It's a basically the echolocation. But yeah, that's that's what trans level means uh, in terms of being a fighter at this point. All right, so you're all moving through this fleshy environment. You're talking about finding the lungs or brain or fleshy door, all of these various things. Letting the nature and survival checks from earlier ride, because this is still all the same uh, you know, ecosystem. It's all relevant and related. I think you actually do a great job navigating. I think there's parts where you like, you turn a corner and you're like, oh, this is, uh, you know, if we fall down this tube, we're going right into some real dangerous stuff. Like, oh, that's where the acid is. Let's go this way. Um, and you just kind of feel and, you know, grope your way around, uh, trying to get back to the surface, I assume, mm-hmm. uh, or like out. Uh, let me know what your actual plan is because uh, you are being successful in navigating there. Yeah, um, I-, I think that's uh, up, up and out is probably the best way because I think any way we descend would be bringing us into like a stomach and the digestive tract since it seems like we were in some sort of gullet. Um or what if we find a community that has been formed by all the people who have been ingested by this thing that's just residents inside the fleshy subsystems of this whole thing? So there's just a oh my god, it'd be like so you mean like, like a vor like, forum essentially? We're we're going to meet the di- the residents of a vor forum. No, it's funny you say that. You know, I've been wondering <laughs> if we would eventually find like a like like a. Like all of the penguin that have been like, like abducted, just like sitting somewhere or in something. It's so funny you all say that because as you make your funny. way through, <laughs> it's very funny. You make your way through the body of this creature, uh, and you think uh, you maybe hear something. Uh, your perception checks earlier were successful, uh, so once again, uh, folding that in it's like oh is that a gurgling from a stomach no it's voices what is that and you start going towards them uh and you see a number of figures uh there are uh penguin these horrifying uh creatures uh half man half penguin love being eaten uh kind of waddling <laughs> around in this chamber uh and then you see uh three familiar people uh two angels and an asimar Wait a minute. I recognize those voices. He's just he's just trying to call out to the to the three um celestials nearby in celestial for the heck of it. Uh so Trayan, you get their attention, uh, and the angels turn and look at you. Uh you can sense that they're there because of your blind sight, uh, but only Gladys can actually see them. Uh and Gladys, what you see is that they're perf they're what used to be like perfect mannequin skin has become uh, more pink and uh, kind of veiny and throbbing. You see like up their arms, the flesh that is on their like hands continues up onto their swords, which are now covered in flesh. Gladys is going to um, call out like, how long have you guys been in here? What's going on with your whole situation that doesn't look healthy 
the Celestials uh, all start coming towards you. Uh, you can see now that the, the ones have swords along the, the blades of their weapons are teeth that are kind of jutting out like uh, the uh, you know edge of a saw almost. Uh, and their wings are no longer covered in feathers, but appear to be made out of uh, flesh, uh, like on the bone of the wings. And they turn to you and they say, hello again. We have been gifted life. Throg lights a torch. <laughs> uh, everyone can now see these angels, which are all fleshy all over. Uh, and surrounded by kind of uh, a dozen or so pengmen, which are kind of just milling around. And the pengmen are in various states of having been eaten. There's some of them missing arms, some are missing legs, uh, but they all seem thrilled. They are happy as hell. They're like someone <laughs> dumped a bunch of tennis balls into a, a dog kennel. They are just like nuts about their situation. Um. Yeah, Throg's hands are not going to leave the, his pickaxe and shield for the moment. And he's going to sort of look to train and look to Gladys. And I don't... I, th I think he's trying to non-verbally communicate. We have to kill them right now before they attack us. <laughs> you say your hand goes to your pickaxe, uh, Throg. They do not seem to notice or care. And as the three celestials approach the group, their arms go out as if to embrace you. All three of them, uh, but their weapons are apparently fused to their bodies by the flesh uh, now that covers the, their bodies. So three Celestials are coming in for hugs. What do you do? I think Gladys is just going to she like try to just duck under their arms. She's she's hoping that maybe the fact that she's short will give her a little bit of, of like an edge of like avoiding this very fleshy hug. She is she she is not into <laughs> at all she's like uh no 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 thank you dexterity save to avoid the hug which is just a fun thing i get to say i was gonna say before he gets hugged i want train to use his second wind to avoid the to heal himself a little bit 17 damage all right uh 17 is so good gladys not only do you duck under the hug you make it seem like a natural uh non-offensive kind of thing you're just like oh what's over here oh look a pengaman and then you just <laughs> kind of pirouette away uh, uh treyan and throg are you hugged uh Th throg is immediately using his breath weapon on these creatures approaching him and he's unfortunately i'm gonna have gort not attack these creatures because he does not want him to physically touch uh gort because i think this is like a spreading infection or something uh yeah, yeah breath weapon um they have to make a dexterity saving throw or take full damage otherwise they take half uh i'll roll the damage three so that would be 14 damage all right. Yep. They go to hug you and you just open your mouth and uh, shoot flames directly into the grill of the angel that's trying to hug you. Trayan, what is your response? Um, I would say first Trayan's response is like, I should have been healing myself before we got into the situation. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I, I'm my, the fighting game reference to me. I'm like, okay, is it possible to tech counter the hug to prevent uh, interacting with it? Like in Street Fighter 3, Third Strike. Um so I, I do think like just uh, pulling back away from it or just evading the hug is what Tran's main move is going to be. All right. That also seems like a dexterity save. 
that would be a 17 as well. All right, perfect. You do a third strike uh, <laughs> thing, just like ha- what happened in the famous Chun Li yep. fight. Um, the crowd goes fucking bananas. He, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he just he uh, digoed um, <laughs> the, the angel. A, a cheerful <laughs> choir of pangmen screech out. Uh, uh, yeah, they love it. Uh, do I get now? Now, granted, now can I do an immediate super in response to it? Is it stun locked as a response to that? So we can absolutely roll initiative here and continue in combat order. I want to say before we make that decision that the angel who got a face full of fire reels back and says, Why? Why would you reject beautiful, beautiful life? Sweet, succulent life. I am so upset that I was right that this was a god of life. I am, you fucking nailed it, dude. You've been on fire this episode. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't know what the word for it is. Uh, spotting story, story threads like this. Yeah, you have my number for real. Uh, but that's that's what's going on here. Um, so these these angels are uh, very confused why you would do this. Um, and you can roll initiative and attack. Um, in fact, uh, because everyone is successful in their dexterity saves, so everyone can attack before uh, we get into the order. There's no such thing as a surprise round in 5th edition, but an informal surprise round, I think, is appropriate. Let's see. That's a disadvantage for everyone, right? Because of the poisoning thing? Y- yes. Yep. Attack rolls and ability checks and initiative is an ability check. All right. Okay. Uh, 17. Gladys, you're up first. All right. Gladys is going to immediately ask, she's, she's immediately going to be like, we're not rejecting life. We already have life. We, 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 we don't, we don't know what your life you're offering us is. And we, we've never seen anything like this. Did you happen to find a door at any time before this? Uh, yeah. The biggest angel uh, turns to you, Gladys, as you say this and says, yes. We found a beautiful door written in ancient script, and inside we found treasures and gifts. Uh, and the angel holds up uh, what appears to be a shield, uh, but it is clearly made from the exoskeleton of a giant ladybug. So it is like the you know the 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 red and black of a ladybug's carapace is kind of a buckler, like a handheld shield. That was the item inside the reliquary of life. Um, and the other, another angel says to you, and there was a, t- there was a coffin and inside all of this, this lovely flesh. Okay. Was there, was there any, was like, like, I think Gladys is probably going to start getting her attack ready, but just one more question. Just like, did the, did, was there anything that said what this person wanted you to do with these Precious gifts. I think the Asimar answers you and says, When we picked up the shield, uh, an insect woman appeared and told us that life was a part of death and death was a part of life. And it goes round and around and around. And that's like this place, which is a haven for the creatures here next to the farm, which is a haven for creatures like you. Isn't it beautiful? They're having this nice conversation as Throg is trying to brain someone with a pickaxe in the background. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. We're in. This is like a bullet time conversation. You're absolutely like springing into action. But uh, you know, these are the answers to your questions. 
I think what Gladys is going to do is that this conversation is going on and she's slowly pulling out like one of her little bottles and I think she's going to cast Flaming Sphere, a five foot diameter sphere of fire appears in an unoccupied space of your choice. Any creature in that sphere must make a dexterity saving throw or take a a full fire damage. And she would look, she she would like find the center of these angels, like where she would be able to do the most damage and throw it in there. You got a six. Six. (laughs) The angels of life fail and are immolated. That is 10 fire damage as she takes one of her like bottles filled with like this viscous red fluid and just tosses it like in there and there's a big fiery sphere almost explosion that happens. All right, Tran, it's your turn. Uh, This fire, you know, uh, from the splash gets kind of all of the angels who are just one entity at this point, just the angels of life. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I I should be careful not to be too close to that sphere because anyone who ends their turn adjacent to it has to make that save every, at the end of all of their turns. So uh, Train is going to do the standard business of he did a tech uh, counter. So he's going to try to follow up with a uh, a nice like nice flipping kick uh, to to one of their faces. So we got an attack roll that is a 10 with disadvantage. Uh, 10 does not hit. And then the second attack is a 12 with disadvantage. 12 does not hit, no. You are poisoned, and so, like, from the sickness, uh, your strikes just aren't making uh, a dent. I think you are hitting. Uh, Like, your foot hits the flesh and just kind of bounces off, and it's just not meaningfully Mm -hmm. painful. Yep, and then afterwards, Trayan, like after those two strikes, just sort of girds himself, uses a second wind to heal himself seven hit points as he sort of braces back and just sort of grimaces um, at how ineffectual he is under this poisoned status. Yes, and now it is the Angels of Life's turn. Uh, they have two attacks here. First, they're going to uh, attack Trayan. That's a 20, so that's going to hit. That hits. Yep. You take 14 damage as a fleshy sword with a serrated edge made of teeth rakes across your flesh. Um, and then the Asimar, who is part of this, uh, reaches uh, to, you know towards you with one hand, which splits open, uh, and a, a blood and like bile squirts out at uh, Gladys, uh, Dex, uh, Constitution saving throw as this foul fluid coats you. Let's see, are save, saving throws disadvantage too, or ability to? Nope. Okay, so that's 18. That saves. You take four, only four, as this nasty stuff gets over you. It's mostly psychological damage, because whatever this is, it smells bad. Uh, and it, uh, you don't want it in your eyes and mouth and so forth. Uh, but it, it does not severely harm you. And we're at Throg. Um, these you said that their their swords are like made of teeth and stuff. Now, do they have any metal left on them, like from armor or anything like that? Not that you can see. No. Okay, there goes my idea. Um, all right, yeah, Throg's Throg's just gonna try to brain him with the the pickaxe, and he'll use his bonus action so Gork can attack after this. Uh, so let's see here. I don't know how to force disadvantage in the rules. 
Um, it should be either shift or control on the keyboard. You should see a minus icon appear over it. Um, left shift or left my uh, left control, I believe, are the two modifiers to do plus. Yeah. Uh, Fourteen. That hits. All right. Uh, that does nine damage, and I'm going to use Gort's reaction to add in a bonus d6 fire damage. Uh, 19 and 27. Hell wow. yeah. Uh, that'll be 10 damage. So what was the total damage from Throg and Gort altogether for the audience? Uh, let's see here. 9 plus uh, 14, 24, 24 plus 27 is, let's do some quick math, 31. Wow. So, yeah, they go apeshit on these angels, uh, tearing through them with a the pickaxe, ripping parts of them off with the jaws. Uh, it's looking really good for Dragon Quest. But at the end of the order, we have a layer action here as the room you're in, which is made of flesh, is racked by spasms and borborygmia. Strength saving throw. 12. Uh, 22 for Trayan. 24. Only Gladys takes damage. 12. Uh, the rest of you are able to keep your feet. Uh, the whole wall, like the, the walls and the floor and the ceiling are all shaking with whatever bodily function is happening and uh gladys is just thrown around just as like um like you know how some animals will eat stones to crush up their food uh ruminants is that kind of animal uh imagine that is what is happening to you you are a cud in one of the chambers of a, a cow's stomach mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh this is this is just getting worse and worse this is gladys's least favorite biome she's sure of it even <laughs> if they find a biome made of nothing but but needles and acid and spikes <laughs> Well, that sounds fucking metal, yeah. So I would see why that one would be cooler than this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, you had the you had the vor biome, then you can have this uh, sadomasochism biome. I failed my flaming sphere, uh, so you roll your your damage again, and it's still your turn. Right, that's twelve fire damage. Should I make a concentration check? Uh, just checking. Yep. Just that's that's a constitution saving throw. So. Constitution saving throw, you said? All right. That is a nine. So that would mean that the Flaming Sphere does that second instance of damage, but by the time your next turn rolls around, it fizzles out from the damage that you took from the stomach reacting to you. All right. And then for my uh, turn in this action, I'm going to cast Ray of Sickness. Oh, no. Sickness is the opposite of health. That's so unhealthy. That 27 is the first roll of the range spell attack. You make a second one to do the roll with disadvantage, and we can just choose right, the okay. lower of the two. Also 27. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that will be... Yeah, so She's just casting Ray of Sickness. She pops another bottle. It goes, ooh, ah, 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 or whatever the song goes, and it just... <laughs> Uh, starts burning up their flesh. <laughs> All right. Constitution save. That's a 10. They fail, so they are poisoned. Oh, this is not looking good. Mm. Nice. Using necromancy on someone blessed by the god of life does feel like a, a pretty pro move. This is a pro gamer move. <laughs> 
the god of life's two biggest enemies, uh, necromancy and Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trayan is going to just try punching that thing, you know, well, disadvantage or not. He's that's is his only method he has. Fourteen for the first attack, that hits. Um, this is going to be poison damage, and uh, so that's eight poison damage, and a key is going to be spent to impose a stunning strike. Um, so make that saving throw. Thirteen. I will confirm something real quick here, but I do believe that is going to fail. That's DC 16 constitution saving throw. So not only is the angel poisoned, it is also stunned. All right. Is that your turn? No, I still have four more attacks to, three more attacks to do now. <laughs> I, I infuse his attack with a little bit of fire damage. Okay, I think we're, we're now we're just uh, running up the score. We're doing yep. end zone dances now. Yep, yep. <laughs> so now these attacks do not have disadvantage anymore. They just are regular attacks. So second attack is 25. All right, we're doing the dirty bird. I don't know if we have how many NFL fans we have in the audience, but... Oh, good gosh. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to roll... I'm going to roll the remaining two attacks, roll the damage, then, then paint the picture here. Uh, so, key point for doing Flurry of Blows. That's a, a crit <laughs> and a 10 on the last attack there. Yeah. So, uh, the remaining damage that Tran does is... Okay, so that's 17... Uh, 25, 31 damage, almost all of it poison, a little bit of fire. So this is one of those cases where as the as the angels are getting down with the sickness, they're uh, slightly staggered and uh, Trayan takes the opportunity to land to hit the initial attack on his super and proceeds to do a nice uh, 10 hit combo sequence, Eddie Gordo style on this uh, on the angel before settling back to where he came from. Didn't hit every hit. He whipped on one of his inputs. He improperly buffered an attack, but he did get enough hits in to make a big statement with another 31 damage on the angels. I just realized the Throg hasn't killed a single person in this game so far. (laughs) Sure, but no one has died yet. You let the angels go the first time. You let Rex go. Yeah, you're right. No one has died. That's weird. We should change that. We should kill these guys. <laughs> I, I, w- I would say I would say that Throg, like Trayan, is not going to go for the kill because that's just not the way he fights. But Throg has full uh, reign to just go in and get the kill to finish if, it. If that's an option, then yeah, I can describe what happens here. Yeah. Um, I I think Throg after this this angel these angels have sort of been opened up, right? Uh, Throg's gonna come in with an overhand chop directly into the chest of uh, whatever the center angel is, and he is then going to sort of like set his feet and twist and try to rip out the rib cage of this creature. Yeah, I mean, with these damage numbers, uh, these people are at your mercy. You're telling me what happens, not the other way around. So Throg uh, overhand chops into this uh, creature's chest and sets sets himself down, ripping its ribcage out, uh, giving Gort the go-ahead to leap into its chest and start tearing its organs out uh, and crushing its heart between its teeth. All right. So technically, Gort gets the first kill of the campaign. There you go. He's a good boy. I think Gort deserves this. So what happens, like... If Gort slash Throg like touch that shield, <laughs> if they even want to. Oh, he's not leaving the shield here. He does. 
Throg is thinking that what caused this problem is the flesh of this creature. The shield is a magical item. He also doesn't want to leave it here for something else to get it. Oh, yeah. Like, definitely... Like the, the, I don't think the shield is 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 like going to give us flesh disease. I think it's just a cool shield or something. Uh, Throg, you pick up the ladybug shield and your AC increases by two, on top of what your shield gave you before because you had a shield. <laughs> All right, let's see how I can manually set this. I have twenty AC, uh, <laughs> and the 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 I'm assuming that the the corpse kind of has like the remains of the God kind of like strewn over it and such. Uh, it's hard to differentiate flesh from flesh here. There's probably mm. God organs somewhere in this mush, but the, everything is made of mush. So it's kind of hard to tell. Um, also the penguin are going berserk. They're running around. Uh, they're making <laughs> terrible noises somewhere between a, a bird's noise and a person's noise. And it's just, it's cacophonous and bad. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Throg essentially, um, even if like these god organs could be salvaged, he considers this like an inherent corruption of whatever it's going to encounter. Uh, and he thinks that these these creatures were essentially defiled. They, they have been forcibly turned into something effectively against their will based off of how the endocrine system ripped into Traian without any warning or consent. Uh, and he is going to just take his flaming pickaxe and hack these things into little burnt-up bits. You know, uh, I like to think that it's like the 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 rationale is like it's like you read the like if you open the sarcophagus, that means you consent to the eula of the sarcophagus. So you know, opening the software is consent. <laughs> yeah, but those eulas never stand up in court. Mm-hmm. And Throg happens to be the judge in this case. I also had a term I came up with earlier today that describes like the sarcophagus guy, like enticing someone to unwittingly engage with it. And I call it crypt bait. Um, and that's just what these things are. You know, you just don't know where you're going to get, but you're like, oh, I got to click on that. And oops, now uh, you're a, <laughs> now you're a, an abomination. Because like Trayan didn't even do it intentionally he, he, he just kind of leaned and, and sh- shoved it open a little bit too wide <laughs> yeah if if throg and gort are incinerating this thing gladys will help she, she she's got like her fire cantrip she could do that totally yeah and, and train can like use fire kicks on it you know just <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like that, that one gift from like a the do the JoJo that's in Italy, where they're all just kicking this mm. thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we just have to continue proceeding. Yeah, we were making pretty good progress until we came across the Angels of Life. Nice moves there, Gladys. That that created a really nice opening for us. I'm glad that I could help. That thing is the worst, like worse than those flesh spider things worse than the little guys with the human faces this is just overall completely like every sense a bad experience glad that I could glad that we don't have to deal with it longer than we did this place is an abomination that cannot be suffered 
We do not have the time or resources to deal with it now. But this cannot be suffered to live. Of all the words you could have said, you said abomination. Sure did. Yeah. You had, you had no way of knowing this, but in the next chamber over, you hear someone say, Did someone call me? Ooh. Oh, what the fuck now? <laughs> Who is there? Uh, several people walk into this room. Uh, it takes you a minute to figure out what their whole deal is. I, I, everyone can see now with the light of the flaming flesh. Uh, but the group of people who walk in now uh, are all dressed uh, in colorful clothing. They have hats on. They have coats on. They have sh- big shoes on. But after you look at them closely, you see they are they are made of goo. They are made of some kind of like living, uh, semi-solid uh, situation that is not skin like your uh, skin or scales. Um, and one of these people uh, walks up to you, uh, Throg, and says, Hello, it is I, Abomination. You rang. <laughs>